It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am your host, and well, I'm just always excited to spend this time with you on a Sunday morning before we go to church. And uh, well, we just talk about dreams and visions at a church triumphant, alive and well. And we do have a few rules. We don't talk sports, politics, or doctrine, but we do always speak well of one another. And this is show number 1049 that we've done so far. Now, that's been on several different stations, but uh, God has blessed it. And I have Mike Mahan with me here this morning, and uh, he is the men's program director for the Good Samaritan Network. Brother Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jack. This is exciting to have you here. Now, the Good Samaritan Network, uh, if most people are, well, some would be familiar with it, some would not. Uh, right. uh, uh, Glenn and Beth Burns, they're the ones that, uh, I guess, they're the actually directors. Is that the, yeah, Absolutely, executive yeah. directors. Executive directors, and they, uh, they started the Good Samaritan Network. And because uh, I had Glenn on my radio show, 20 years ago at least oh yeah when I, when I was at wcvc and um, we prayed about something on the air that morning because i'd called him right before thanksgiving to come and just talk about when he was at, at the uh, haven arrest rescue mission right about the, the dinner and things that they're going to be doing and he shared with me his desire and heart that there would be a facility for women Okay, and we prayed for that over the air. Fast forward a few years, I had Beth Burns scheduled to be on the radio show. I did not know the connection, <laughs> and Glenn shows up with her. I said, oh, okay, uh, and then they start sharing with me about Chelsea's house. Yes, and I just got excited. I said, Glenn, do you not realize this is exactly what we prayed about? Amen. On the radio show. And as they, say, as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been um, 22 years that he's been involved with this and um, following the Lord's lead. Right. Um, for me, it's been just about nine years. Nine years. Nine okay. years, yeah. And, and you have quite a story to tell. We're going yeah. to get into all of it and let it unfold. But just, just bringing the, uh, the radio audience up, up to speed here. Uh, Brother Glenn Burns was at the um, Haven Arrest Rescue Mission. Uh, God uh, laid that on his heart. He went down there because he was uh, on staff at uh, what was called Temple Baptist Church, right. now North Florida Baptist. Right. And the pastor sent him down there to start the process of closing it down. Absolutely. And uh, God got a hold of his heart, and he went racing back over to the church and said, oh, pastor, we're not supposed to close it down. We're supposed to I'm supposed to be leading it, and that just, that has started quite an adventure. Oh, yeah. And you are a part of that story, aren't you? Yes, I am. Okay. That was um, he was there for ten years, and then he ended up leaving. And so um, it was 2013 um, when I went to the mission. Okay, so that would be it. Would be sometime at the end of March that I ended up going to the Haven arrest. Um, I had previously, uh, was out on the street for a month 
Okay, now, we've got to leave the audience just hanging right there. Okay, okay. okay. We're going to go back in history here, and we're going to hear some of your story. Right. Now, from the point now that you are the men's program director at the uh, Good Samaritan Network, but your story was quite entangled to get you to that point where you are today. Oh, yeah, now, absolutely. Let's take you back uh, as a child. Did you know the Lord? In, 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 no, I didn't grow yeah. up. Uh, um, there was a lot of different type of things going on when I was growing up. Um, my mom was Catholic. My grandmother was Jehovah Witness. Um you know, I had friends that were Catholic. Okay. I'd go to Catholic Mass, things like right. that. I didn't um, receive the Lord into my heart and make Him my Savior or ask Him to be my Savior until I was probably 16 years old. And that was actually um, Pastor Chuck Smith. Okay. From Calvary Costa sure, Mesa. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So we used to, I used to go to Calvary Costa Mesa back in the uh, late 70s. And. Because uh, you're from California. Oh, yeah. Originally, I'm from born, Long Beach. Born, born and raised. Born and raised in Long Beach, yeah. California. And. Um, okay. And I knew back then when I was a teenager that uh, when I accepted the Lord in my heart, that I had this overwhelming um, love that I felt from the Spirit. You know, and um, it touched my heart, and um, and I was very faithful to the Lord during those years, those few years, and then I ended up getting some bad news from my family, and um, joined the military, left, and never went back, okay. and, um, and it was a downward spiral after yeah. that, pretty much. So this uh, time in your life, from the time that you were born to the time you were sixteen years of age, when you experienced a, a soul saving experience in your life through mm-hmm. the ministry of Chuck Smith. You said there was a lot of different uh, voices coming into your life. Very such, confusing. Such as uh, Jehovah One, Jehovah Witness, over here's Catholic. You're not sure which way to go. I'm, I'm, right. I'm just kind of interjecting here. I, yeah, it was very confusing. I, but one of the things that I um, um, was drawn to more than anything was the ministry of Pastor Chuck and, and the people at Calvary Costa Mesa was is that you could actually go there in shorts and flip-flops and a tank top. They didn't care. <laughs> oh, yeah. They didn't care. Yeah, yeah. And um, the, the love of Christ was just flowing from them. And the Spirit was definitely f- was f- was filled and I was filled by the Spirit. There's no doubt about it. Now, did you uh, encounter that ministry through the radio broadcast? Or Actually, I was invited by a friend. Okay. okay. I was invited by a friend um, and uh, went there um, uh, on a Saturday night, and uh, there was a few bands playing and all that. And um, uh, one of the things I noticed, it was people from um, all walks of life, different races, different cultures, um, people weren't all dressed the same it was just a very casual loving um nurturing environment i could mm-hmm. feel it and um I, I i i was drawn to that now how long did you attend there before well i didn't really attend church there jack i um would go there on saturday nights mostly i attended a church in in, in uh, long beach okay uh it was actually a nazarene church okay. my high school sweetheart went there her family was there um a little bit more stiff neck but um and then i used to go to a church in in, uh, Seal Beach as well as where I got baptized actually a church in Seal Beach and um, I was I felt like my life had changed tremendously who I was and where I was going um, unfortunately there were some secrets that my family had that were that I wasn't aware of and I wanted to join the military and um, I needed my birth certificate and I couldn't find my birth certificate. I went to the hospital where I was born. They had no record of me. 
and um so oh Oh, yeah it was uh, very interesting yeah so (laughs) as so of course my girlfriend at the time and some of my close friends were like well maybe you were adopted you know a lot of a lot of stories as teenagers were were brewing and and i said well i don't know and then one day i got a call from my mother i was at my best friend's house and she said you need to come home we have something we want to tell you and i said okay so I got home, and, and the father that was raising me, um, I've come to find out he wasn't my biological father. And I didn't know. And you had no suspicion at all? None. None. There was no 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 indication to the otherwise. I mean, he treated us all the same. Right. Um, he was not a very kind man. I know that. Um, not a lot of love in the family. And so, basically, I just needed my birth certificate so I could join the military. And I think um, that caused me, when I look back on it, a lot more damage uh-huh. than I realized at the time. I just wanted to get away. Uh-huh. And so I left and I never went back. So so this was around, around about 17, 18? Yeah, I was 18 years 18. old. Okay. Yeah, I was 18. Okay. And, uh, so you just need to find that birth certificate, but for I, some reason, it's just not to be found. Right. Well, I ended up, I, had got, I, I they told me what my actual last name was supposed to be okay and so i um got the birth certificate went down the recruiter's office and joined the military what branch army army yeah okay. well when thank you for your service well, thank I'm, you i'm an old navy guy myself so. all right <laughs> thank you for your service you're welcome so um so i went on this journey and um i didn't realize how bitter i was and i fell away from the lord and and once i got away from home and was seeing what the world had to offer um i was like i, I guess i wanted a piece of it mm-hmm. as a young person but isn't it amazing though how the, these things can be in our spirit and, and we don't know i mean we, we know something's troubling us but we don't always know what it is I, I, yeah i would agree with that yeah, yeah. and i see that every day with yeah. the guys that are, that um, are in our program too uh-huh. and um the struggles that they, they've had when they were younger and Sometimes the, uh, the the addictions or the bad choices are just a symptom of the bigger problem. And once we get down to the the brass tacks of what the bigger problem is, we you know things can be corrected. Right. You know. Now, and in, in, in you're dealing with the uh, the men that you deal with in your program. Uh, I'm sure that that you you and your staff you you give them opportunity to talk. Are there? Oh yeah, they, absolutely. Any type of any type of counseling or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, we we sit down with the guys on on. on quite often and, and have um, discussions. We do a review of each man uh, once a month uh, as far as they're, where they're at and where they're right. going. Um, and it's a very, it's from anything from parents and hygiene all the way up to character and right. integrity. So, um, and there's eight categories. Um, each, like I said, each man review once a month. Um, and of course, my office is open and Pastor yeah. Burns' office is open and, and there's a few other guys that are there that, that are uh, good quality leaders that are there as well. Um, right. Uh, a lot of praying for them. A, a lot, lot of, of it is just like, it's, it's just like, Unpeeling an onion. It's, it's, there's just layers, and you just in a process of, of talking, you begin to unravel things. Oh, absolutely! And it's amazing how it'll bring people to truth, even about their own self and their own experiences. Because going back to you and your life and the things that you had to deal with, uh, as you say, you begin to internalize things, and then the enemy comes and he offers you things that are that are shiny. Oh, absolutely! And, uh, now. Going back to your the deal with your father, so you found out that he was not your father, right? Exactly. But but all your life had he always been the father figure in your life? At, at, ever since I can remember, as far as you knew, as far as I knew, yeah. Okay, absolutely. And then my siblings, um, which I had uh, two brothers and a sister that were younger than I, um, they um, were his 
offspring or his natural children. Oh, I see. So, yeah, it was, so it, was a, it was a blended family. Yeah, exactly. So so now uh, all this has to starts coming out now because you're looking for your birth certificate and, and yeah. you, you want to know some answers. And your mother realizes I can't give him the answers unless I just tell him the truth. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny the things that um, – that God does is, is I tell the guys in the program all the time I'm not a I'm not a cop I don't want to um, try and catch you doing anything this is the Lord's ministry and if you might get away with something once or twice but God always brings things to the light uh-huh. you know it, it always surfaces everything yeah. our sins yeah. always going to be found out yeah. especially yeah. for one of His children He has to reveal the truth That's Amen yeah. and um and and I think that um. When I look back on it, that was a secret that couldn't be hidden because it it was damaging to me. And how sure. I handled it, probably, I handled it not as well as I could have. But who knows how to handle these things? Yeah, I was a, I was a kid. <laughs> right. You know, right. I was a kid and um, felt um, betrayed and yeah. deceived. And there was a lot of emotions going on there. At the time, I don't remember as being as angry as I was a few years later. Uh-huh. Um, but it. It, it did damage that now at my you know, I'm 58 years old I look at it now I was like wow that really did cause a lot of problems yeah. but uh, you said that, that you just wanted to get away yeah pretty so much you, you thought the military was the, was, was the answer was the yeah, yeah and uh, how did that go it went well I mean uh, I served and I got out went um I found out my father's sisters lived, uh, one lived in the Atlanta area, one lived in uh, on St. Simon's, and I can't, that's how I ended up in Georgia. In other words, you, when you say your father, you talk about your real father? My, my biological father, your biological yes. father. Yeah, my biological father. So you found them. I, I talked with him on the phone, um, and I, I, I didn't find him at first. I found um, his, his half-sisters, by the way. Um, which I ended up making contact with, and they received me with open arms, and that's how I ended up in Georgia. Wow! Yeah. So, <laughs> and I ended up talking with him on the phone on the phone a few times. He didn't strike me as somebody that was that interested in a relationship, so therefore I never um, pursued it. Right. And um, and this is why you were still in the army. No, I was yeah. out by this yeah, time. Yeah, I was out. So how 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 many years did you serve in the army? I did um, two two years. Active duty and then rest was reserve. Okay, now were you Vietnam era? No, 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 no. This was in the that. early eighties. Ronald Reagan. Early. Okay, okay. So you were you were after the Viet, the Vietnam. Yeah, conflict, exactly. Which means you were in the all volunteer army, pretty much. So you yes. were, uh, you know, back in my day, everybody would like people would go in the Navy, the Air Force, because they didn't want to go in the Army, right? But uh, uh, things changed after all of that. Oh yeah. And so, so two years active, two years inactive. Mm-hmm. So now you get out of the army. What's next? Well, um, I moved to I went I spent a summer in St. Simon's Island with my aunt down there and then I um it winter time came along. It was a summer season. I was working at the King and Prince Hotel. Once that the summer season was over, I went up to Atlanta, um, um got with my aunt Carol and stayed with her for a while and then I moved into um Atlanta, got a little small place. I worked at um a country club there called Ansley Ansley Golf Club. I worked there um and was drinking a lot. Okay. What brought that on? Um <laughs> just medicating, I guess. <laughs> you know, I'm medicating myself. Um now did, did did you develop any of those habits in the army? Oh, of course. <laughs> Who didn't? I mean, I was in Germany for 13 months. So, yeah, I drank a lot there, too. So, okay. yeah. uh, drinking uh, was uh, 
not unfamiliar to me at all. Yeah. You know, well, they they kind of did that in the Navy too, but but I didn't. I mean, because it just wasn't what I wanted to do. Right. But I understand the I understand the culture, <laughs> right, the, of, of military, and <laughs> excuse me, a lot of drugs. Oh yeah, in the military, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I've done a lot of drugs. Yeah. Now, did that become a part of your life while well, you were in the military? Or? No, that wasn't a part of my life in the military, but um, it was a part of my life afterwards. Uh-huh. And one of the things that, that, I, that I figured out later in life, of course, was is that, you know, I could abstain from using any type of illegal substances if I was sober. Well, what happened is, is that the barriers would come down once... You start, once I started drinking, uh-huh. so those type of things would happen: um, cocaine, marijuana. You know. Now, can you go back to a, a time when when you first started doing that? The first time I ever had alcohol I was fourteen years old. So it's way before the army. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's what that was one of the things that I think um, when I got saved, um, I was clean and sober for several years. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no thought of right. even doing drinking or using drugs or anything of that nature i mean where i grew up it was plentiful uh-huh. in southern california it was not hard to get anything illegal so so the the drinking started back up in the army oh yeah, yeah. profusely actually right. because again we're we're involved in a culture and plus what and plus at this time in my life i was you know 21 and in, in in georgia i could go to bars and things like that and you know, it was it, I was uh, I was self destructing before my own eyes uh-huh. and didn't realize it. Wow! Yeah. Wow. So now you're out of the military. You've picked up this new part of your life, which is alcohol. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the line, drugs are introduced. You begin to fall into that culture as well. Well, they weren't introduced. I went and found them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, so it was that. like, you know, well, I mean, it just didn't, you know, you're out, you're out with people and, you know, people have things and if you have money, you can go get things and, you know, I was um, medicating myself profusely uh-huh. over and over and over again and how I maintained was, is, is beyond me. Is that goes, does that go back to the, I want to go, get away i mean i I think so well now when i look back on it jack i think the thing is is that what i had a void inside Uh that i was trying to fill there you go with if it wasn't alcohol it was drugs if it wasn't drugs it was alcohol if it wasn't drugs and alcohol it was women if it wasn't women it was materialistic things if it wasn't materialistic things it was money you know i've always been capable of making money right um that was never been a problem for me i'm not i'm not a lazy man i've always been able to work so you know. all of this has led you to a point. I'm talking about back then. Yes. Okay. How long did all this go on before you came to the light? Let's put it that way. It was nine years ago. It's been going on nine years. So wow. Yes. It was, it, so I spent um thirty about thirty one or thirty two years of my life in the wilderness. Wow. Wilderness. That's a good way to describe. Yeah. Well, it. that's exactly what it was yeah. for me. So so and, you're you're working, but there's these other things that are bringing destruction into your life yeah well yeah i allowed i allowed it i was it was not something that was forced upon me i was trying to fill my lot fill this void inside of me with every worldly thing i could find and it wasn't you know i still thirst is this one of the reasons for your passion now yes to to reach men because you you've been there you've lived that life yeah and you know another thing is too is that the the things that um I, I tell the guys all the time because I, I go to the prison on Tuesdays at Jefferson and I teach a class out there. I have about 13 guys in my class. And, uh, you know, I've been 
doing prison ministry now for four and a half years, maybe about four and a half, maybe five. Um, I can't, I'm not sure. Anyway, um, and one of the reasons I felt compelled to do it was is because I don't know why God spared me from prison. Ah, that's you know? a new twist here. Yeah, because <laughs> um, I did a lot of, of, of things that if I would have gotten caught, I would have went to prison for. Wow. And just for whatever reason, by the grace of God, he didn't He didn't see that for me, you know. So, so you were never arrested for... Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, I've had four DUIs in my uh, life, you know. So, um, not proud of any of that, of course, um, but that's my life. Right. So now the DUIs, do you lose your driver's license? That oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, didn't mean, that didn't stop me from driving. Really? Oh, okay. no. Okay. I, no. I mean, <laughs> um, that's how, you know, desperate some people are, you know, as far as their decision making, just bad choices, bad decisions. Um, when you don't have the Lord in your life, you you get desperate and you be, you get into a survival mode. Right. So now and, did you ever get stopped without a driver's license? No, I never got stopped. Right. See, there's another thing. I never got stopped without right. with, uh, for driving on suspended so, so, or revoked so do we, license. Do we consider that to be the Lord's grace? Oh, that's mercy. Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> mercy. Yeah. That's mercy for sure. Right. I mean, you know, and, I, and, I, and it goes back to what you said is I, I feel I have a heart for these guys because of some of the time they've served in prison for some of the things they've done. I'm like, wow. I look at my life and I say, thank you, Jesus. Right. Right. You know, why? Because now, now what you've described is that now you're living a life to where you're, you're doing destructive things in mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm assuming, now maybe I may be wrong here, that it's, it's taking you on a downward spiral. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And describe that to us. How 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 did what was happening? Well, I I ended up um I, I, I met a young lady um when I was in Atlanta. Got married. Um, she was from Cairo, Georgia. Uh, we got married and um, we had two children. And um, I decided that uh, I'm not going to go into that. It's a little too personal on the radio, I think, but um, something happened and I decided to stop drinking. So I went to AA. Uh, I wasn't doing drugs or anything like that. And uh, for some reason or another, um, the marriage just seemed, didn't seem to work. And so we ended up uh, separating. I, I moved to Tallahassee. I was working in Tallahassee um, at the time. So, um, and then the divorce was final in 2001, I think. Um, but, um, and I still say, what was amazing is I still say it stayed sober even after I got separated and divorced. And then um, I went to a wedding with a friend down in Orlando. And, and I think at that time I had been sober for almost 10 years, maybe. Wow. Maybe nine. It might have been nine, 10 years, somewhere around there. From from, from uh, alcohol and drugs. Oh yeah, absolutely. Wow. And so um, I went to a wedding with a friend down in Orlando, and I, um, for some reason or another, I went to the bar and ordered a shot of tequila, and uh, it started all over again. Wow. Yeah, it started all over. Yeah, and, again. and they tell you this, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean I've never drank, so I, I I wouldn't know it personally, but I know I've been told this that that if you are staying away from it. you you got to stay away from it oh yeah, yeah it's um and um and i know i didn't have any accountability uh-huh. 
um, at that time in my life. I was somewhat lonely. Uh, I'm not making excuses. I had a choice. Oh, this is just reality. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, and so I was in the car business, and I made really. I've always made really good money in the car business. I've done very well, you know, um, upwards of six figures, sometimes six figures, and um, so I had plenty of money at my disposal, and it just started all over again. Wow. It just, it was, it was self-destructing. And how long did that go on? That went on till 2013. Wow. So 2001, so about nine, well, 12 years. 12 years of, yeah. And um, very hard times, very difficult times. And I would imagine, and you know this better than me, that things that you would, would, would have been doing when you were younger, drugs, alcohol, would have an effect on you but as you get older right I mean is it true that it, that it just makes the situation even worse um, well I think that you, you do get a little bit of wisdom yeah. about how you manage it and you, and you get a little bit sneakier yeah. but I'm talking about just the general effect on your body Oh uh, well, one of the things is unusual for me is I've always been very athletic and I've always exercised, and I've always taken really good care of myself physically, and so I don't think I'm not saying it didn't take a toll on my body. I just know that um, I still would would go for runs and I would work out and do things like that. And but when I when I um, partied hard, I partied really hard, and. Um, it, it, it does catch up with you. Yeah. It does. But like I, like I said, I, I feel blessed because physically I don't have any real aches and pains or I don't have any illnesses or diseases or anything like that. So that, I've been, That's part of God's blessing. Oh, amen. Amen. Because I've known people who who had that lifestyle and now it affects them mentally yeah. and that and they you know, loss of memory and things of that well, nature so my sister she um she died two years ago this last september um she was only 51 and she died of cirrhosis of the liver uh-huh. you know and um you know the doctor had told her a year before if you don't quit drinking you're going to die and, and unfortunately for my sister she looked at it because she had a college education she worked for the state of california for 17 years uh, you know hard worker good mom and all that she didn't feel like she was an alcoholic she looked at an alcoholic as a, a skid row bum right that was an alcoholic and but it was having an effect on her body oh yeah but she you know i tried to talk to her as well and my, well as my mom and 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 it just we it wouldn't resonate with her and well it cost her her life wow so now you've you've gone back to the th- things you were doing before mm-hmm. and she said twelve years this is going on oh yeah affecting your life um, uh, relationships all of that sort of thing absolutely and then you you told us earlier about a day that you came to Tallahassee and something happened it changed yeah um. I was up in Ohio. Um, my aunt, who was very close to me, who knew the secret, she was really ill. And I had went up there to stay with my cousin, her son, who was like my brother growing up. And um, uh, she she ended up dying, and I was there with him. And we were out one night, and I drove, and I got a DUI up there. And um, I lost my vehicle, and I just came to a place where it was like, man, I, I, I need to go back where I feel safe. And for some reason or another, God put it on my heart to come to Tallahassee. So I got a bus ticket and I came to Tallahassee, no money, just the bus ticket and got off the bus and was like, where do I go? Uh, for some reason or another, I was felt drawn here again. I don't know why. I, I can only think it was obviously 
God. Uh-huh. And um, so I got off the bus and I went down to the shelter and it was not very pretty sight down there. And I said, you know what? I'm not doing that. I'm, I, I, in my mind, in my mind, I thought I was better than that. And so I rather sleep outside in a sleeping bag, you know, and I got up every day and I went down to the RCC down there, took a shower, cleaned up. I mean, I even had people asking me for change. I kept myself so clean and all that, you know. Now, what is the RCC? It was the um, Renaissance Center where they used to have, um, it was right next to the old shelter. Um, and you could go in there for services and you could take showers, wash clothes and oh. things like that. So I, I would do, remember that it, it did have a little chain link fence around the front of it. And, and it, had it graffiti, was not after graffiti, but paintings all over the outside wall um no it was um right on i think it's on virginia street right there okay that's not the place I'm yeah it's on virginia street anyway so i would do that and and the funny thing is is that um i still didn't get it i was you know hustling you know to go drink and i i met a guy that was that we became friends and and we were hanging out together he tried to talk me to go into the shelter there to stay with where he was at and i was like no i'm not doing that or they're staying outside it's too filthy there and then the mosquitoes got real bad yeah Yeah, i missed something here i'm gonna gonna go back just for a second before we pick up our store here because you were talking about that you had, even though you'd, you'd gone to the wedding and, and you started back drinking again, mm-hmm. and you said you were you were making money, you're making money, mm-hmm. and then then we're going to Atlanta for so you what happened to the money? Did something? Oh, happen? what happened to the money is, is I spent it. I would go gamble. I would go vacations. I would, I would. Um, but did it stop coming in? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because of, of yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't maintain. Okay, you know, okay. I couldn't maintain. Yeah, and um, so, so I think it's important to, to interject this because that this this brings us to the point to where yeah, you I mean, Tallahassee, because of the lifestyle well, you were. At a, here, here's one of the things that, that happened for me is, is I was very good at sales. I was a finance director. I was a used car manager. I was a new car manager. I was a salesman, and so um, if I needed to make money. And I, and I blew an opportunity at a dealership or something. I could always go to another dealership and get another job. That was not a problem, you know, and it wasn't nothing to make, you know, five, six, seven grand in a month, you know, it really wasn't. And, and so I would do that for a little while. And then, um, my addiction would catch up with me, spend too much money, lay out of work, things like that. Right. And right. so, you know, it was perpetual. Yeah. It but, was, but again, this is showing the pattern and, and, oh yeah. and where it's, where it's come to. Right. This is those the, the addictions has brought you to this point. Oh, to where now you're living on the streets in Tallahassee. Absolutely. It was um, the bottom line was is that uh, no more phone calls to make, um, no more couches to sleep on, um, no more money. Um, the only thing that was left was God. Yeah, because it's a it's a it's a amazing thing to me that I've I've noticed here lately. That up and down uh, near Capitol Circle, uh, Park Avenue, even over on the other end of Park Avenue, there's I've been seeing homeless people there that I had not seen up until probably maybe a year now. In other words, that area of town, you never saw homeless before. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, I've seen them. I, I see them uh, in a bus stop there where they put cloth up in front of the bus stop. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and you see these people... And you ask yourself the question: How did they get to this point? Because you're you're showing us here. Well, I think uh, there's a lot of different reasons. Um, but if I I was telling I was talking with Glenn one day, we were in the, we were coming back from lunch, and and it kind of dawned on me as I said, um, some of these people, I don't believe they 
they want to be this way, they just don't have any hope. Uh huh. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no hope. They don't have any hope. They've given up. Bingo. <laughs> I think you really hit on something here. Yeah. That that whole thing, because the addictions, the the things that's happened in their life has brought them to this point. Right. And a lot of it is because there's something, as you say, secrets way back there. Yeah. That never got dealt with. And well, there was um. There was a uh, instance where we were doing this series called the Conqueror series, and there was an exercise in there that uh, they wanted you to write down the ten worst things that ever happened to you in your life. And um, so I did the exercise, and this was very revealing to me. Um, when I got to seven, it, it got much more difficult. And then I got to eight, and I got to nine. And then was, the irony of it is, is that once I got to ten, um, the thing that one of the worst things that ever happened to me happened to me when I was younger uh, with my stepfather um, who raised me. Um, it was very humiliating and, and very hurtful and very shameful. And But the thing is, is once I remembered that, it was so uh, incredibly vivid and how I can remember such detail um, about that memory. But the, the, the irony of it is, is that I couldn't, I, I haven't thought about that situation in decades uh-huh. so what that told me was i never dealt with that right but but you still remembered it or, or did it come back to you it came back to me once i was doing going through this exercise to so remember words, you you had put it out of your mind absolutely and so you, you didn't think about it uh just wasn't a part of your of your current uh state of memory right exactly and, and I, this I, this thing brought it back to you and and that's the that's the irony of it is is that it was so vivid in such detail and how I felt right the feelings came back and I was it, it, it just it just blew my mind and, and one of the the reasons why they want you to do that exercise is because that reveals some some deep down hurt right. that you really never addressed right and so I started dealing with that and once you start unlocking it then you can deal with it and this was only a few years ago that, that I went through this by the way and it was it's so it's it's always been it's been a process as far as um, you know walking with the Lord having a renewing of the mind and and um, uh, trying to deal with um, uh, hurts that we've never dealt with before. Right, right. And I think when you go, when you start looking at the people that are homeless or, or, or men that have made bad choices in their life, um, the, the the things that they do are only symptoms of the bigger problem. Right. And, oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and so if you can get down to the, the, the nitty gritty of what the bigger problem is, and, you know, God, I think, will reveal that. Yeah. Um, if you allow him to, but it's it's that what well, we talked about earlier about turn to unpeel the onion, absolutely, and begin to uh, allow these things to become unlocked, even though they're painful. Yeah, the unlocking of them is the the hope to be able to bring healing to be able to deal with the situation. But so many things are suppressed in people's lives; they're acting out, but they don't know why. Right, and if you can find out why, then you can begin the process of bringing help and hope and cure. Yeah, and it's um. You know, I think a lot of the thing, a lot of the things that I see on a day to day basis are people that um, have lost trust in others as well, uh-huh. and they always think there's an angle. Oh and yeah, they, yeah. They always think there's yeah. an angle, yeah. and, um, and that was kind of hard for me in the beginning too. Yeah. Um, it's like, okay, what's in it for them? Yeah, Glenn I has think. this thing. Everybody has a radio, a favorite radio station is WIIFM. What's in it for me? <laughs> <laughs> but the truth you know? is. 
there's a whole lot more of that in all of us. That, oh no, that, absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that suspicion of you know what? Yeah, what is your angle here? Right, and and not just trust people. But unfortunately, sometimes there is an angle. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, and I, and I think, well, if we had an angle, it was to, is to, is to help them figure out what God's plan is right. for their life. Let me just tell the radio audience, uh, this is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I'm your host. Uh, Mike Mahan is the gentleman you've been listening to here. He is the uh, program, uh, wait a minute, men's program director for the Good Samaritan Network. And uh, we're right at the point now to where he's going to end up at the Haven Arrest Rescue Mission. His life's going to get changed. But this is also the point where we're going to play a little Southern Gospel music. Just kind of give us a little break here. We'll get back to it here. But this is kind of a Christmas song. It's by Brooks and Dunn. It's called A Cabin in the Valley. There's nothing quite as pretty And the cities are the towns As my cabin in the valley When the snow is on the ground I like the uh, setting they've set for us Christmas family. <laughs> and we are in the uh, Christmas season now. Thanksgiving is behind us, and so we look toward uh, Christmas. And so we just play a little Christmas music for you. Uh, I am the pastor of Freedom Road Christian Ministry, 720 Capital Circle Northeast. We love visitors come to worship with us. We start at 1105. You can find us on the web, frcm.us. We are between Easterwood Drive and Park Avenue. So if you're heading toward Park Avenue on Capital Circle Northeast, you'll find us on the right-hand side of the road. We'll put our signs out there on Sunday morning. Also, if you want to listen to this show again or share it with somebody, you can find it on the podcast. If you'll type in on your podcast, Pastor Jack King, Tallahassee, it'll come up. If you're looking for show number 1049 of the talk shows, you can also find the daily broadcast there as well. But we do not put the music show on there, but you can tune into that on uh, 94.1, 7 o'clock, Saturday nights, a full hour of great Southern gospel music with a Saturday night gospel sing. But this is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. And I'm Pastor Jack King. Uh, Mike Mahan is my guest today. And we were just at the point, <laughs> just kind of recapping here a little bit. Uh, Mike has shared with us his life uh, from Southern California through the Army. Unfortunately, the introduction, uh, introduction of drugs and alcohol in his life that had, had put him on a downward spiral. He ended up in Tallahassee, back in Tallahassee. Back in Tallahassee, yes. And he arrives on a bus, no place to go, no place to stay. He ends up sleeping on the streets for a while until it got hot and mosquitoes came out. <laughs> and he said, man, right. I'm telling you what, I, I remember one time I, I had to sleep in a car overnight. And I said, this, it's like I'm an aircraft carrier and these are the planes are coming in to be refueled. <laughs> 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 I was on an aircraft carrier. So that was okay. my, and that's it. I said, my goodness. And so you ended up going down to the Haven Arrest Rescue Mission. Tell us about that. Well, um, I couldn't stand it outside anymore, so um, I decided to go down there. Somebody had told me you can go down there and stay two weeks for free. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to get out of this heat. The mosquitoes are bad. So I go down there, and I 
and a, a couple guys told me, they said, you know, if you go down there, they're just going to preach at you every single day. You know, I wouldn't go down there and listen to that. And I, and I had told them, I said, you know, at this point in my life, I don't think a little preaching is going to hurt me. You know, so I go down there and brother, brother Steve Davis is down there and he so happens He's to been, be been on the radio show. Oh yeah. I love yeah, brother Steve yeah. now. And, um, he was in the book of James and everybody knows that the book of James doesn't pull any punches. Nope. And so, but at that point in my life, I, I didn't need anybody to, to tap me on the shoulder, hug me and say, it's going to be okay. I needed somebody to point my finger saying, you need to straighten up, son. <laughs> You need to get right with God. That's what I needed because I was a sinner and I was living in sin. Um, and, um, I needed to repent. And I, and I, I know his testimony. Yeah. And, uh, he understood you. Oh, yeah. 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 He did. Um, so I had gone there and everybody was really polite and nice. And I, I sat through a couple nights and, um, one night um, after he finished his message, I was outside and um, I was thinking to myself, you know, I um, screwed a lot of things up. I had a lot. And at that point, regret was setting in and frustration. And I remember looking up and I said, you know what, Lord? I said, I remember when my when I had peace in my heart um, when I was young and um, I asked you to come into my life and uh I felt the love and, and the peace and the joy and the happiness back then. I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And this is how cocky I was, I guess, lack of a better word. As I looked up and I said, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. This is arrogance. I said, me talking, making a deal with the creator of the universe, of course. And I said, I'll make you a deal. I said, I'll read your word every single day and we'll talk. I'll talk to you every single day. But man, you got to show up. <laughs> you got to show up. And um, so um, I did that. I, I, I started reading the word every day. I was praying every day. I was I was seeking the Lord with all my heart, all my soul and all my mind. And um, things were on the right track. Um, I didn't have any desire to drink or to drug or any of that. Um, I truly felt like it was a safe haven. Uh-huh. You know, um, and then um, one night, so I had been, I, I had my 50th birthday living there, by the way. It was in April. And um, I, it didn't bother me. I was okay with that. And then um, my two weeks were up, and I didn't want to go back out on the street. And I said, well, is there anything I can do to stay here longer? Because I noticed that the guys, there was guys living up in the main building. I was living in the um, uh, chapel shelter and there were numbers on the floor and each, everybody had a mattress once you would go in. And I was number 25. <laughs> that was my number. And after my two weeks were up, I asked um, a couple of guys there that were in leadership what can I do to stick around? I said, I don't have any money. And I said, um, I want to stay. And they said, well, we're looking for an overnight security guy. And would you be willing to do that? And I said, absolutely. So I started doing that at the back door. Um, uh, and then another opportunity came up for me to do the daytime security at the front door to get to uh, receive deliveries and things like that. And so which that was really cool. And it was cool at night, too, because all I did was read my Bible all night long, basically, and pray. Now at this point, had you moved up to the... Uh, were you yeah, I would moved up to the main building, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. And then um, one night, I believe it was on Monday night, we all went to chapel that night. And um, Brother Steve was very upset. 
and he said that the church had decided to close uh-huh. the haven and i was just beside myself and this was um about the first of june so i had been there for um, all of april all of may and uh, going into june and i had reestablished my relationship with the lord or at the time i was working on it very very diligently and so this set me back and so brother steve said we all need to be praying um god doesn't want this place to close i'm going to start fasting and and fasting and praying and i and i had never done anything like fasting in my life you know and i said well you know what Uh, i'm going to fast and i said i'm going to fast all week till next till sunday so i fasted and prayed um till sunday and um only water no no solid food no cokes just water for it was six six days and on sunday evening um we had dinner and i ate and then so monday morning i got up and um i was at the desk up at the front and i was reading my bible and i was for some reason i don't know what was wrong with me pastor jack i thought something some miracle was just going to happen overnight because i fasted right (laughs) (laughs) and nothing happened i was like okay well we'll see what happens right well the next day came tuesday morning and i got a little frustrated because i felt like in my immaturity that something should happen because i sacrificed Uh right and this is just in my immaturity and so tuesday morning got i got up and went in there at the desk I started reading the word and I just closed the Bible and I said, you know what? I don't know. This is like useless. I was ready to give up right there. And I had an iPhone 4S back then and it didn't have any service, but um, Fern Auto was right next door and they had open Wi-Fi, but you can never get it in the building. And for some reason or another, I, I got a message, uh, a Facebook message from somebody that, that I knew that when I was married before my ex-wife had a dance studio and therefore it was a girl that grew up in the dance studio and she was like a friend on Facebook. I had never talked to her before and it was from her. So I went outside and I checked the message and she said that, that the Holy spirit came to her in the middle of the night and told, told her to reach out to me, to let me know that, that God loves me and don't give up. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, I had to read. And so I, I messaged her back and I and I told her I said thank you I said um, thank you for being obedient to the Holy Spirit because you don't even know how much I needed that right now and so I went back to the desk and I had a a, a sense of peace come over me and I sat down and I went to open my Bible up and then I closed it again and I just my head dropped and I just started weeping like a like a like a little baby crying I mean like waterfall tears because I really knew that God had reached out to me uh-huh. wow and he had touched he had let me know you're, I'm, you're one of mine don't give up I'm here for you and so that was encouraging and 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 it touched me in such a way that that I just fell apart emotionally and um, here I am like 50 years old crying like somebody's grandmother you know <laughs> it was it was phenomenal and so anyway um they ended up closing the mission and um glenn came in uh, along with the team and we all ended up going over to westgate um community over there they had a building over there for us we all got on the bus went over there there was like a 90 of us i think at the time and um that's where my journey started with the ministry 
So and, so so Haven Arrest closed. It's absolutely closed. Yeah. And so, and uh, of course, Glenn had already left the mission by that time. Hadn't he? Yeah, he was already had Good Samaritan um, up and running, but he was um, taking care of care, care of Tallahassee. He was involved right, with that right, quite a bit. That, yeah. Chelsea House was up and running, yeah. um, but now. So when he heard that the mission was closing, he came to get you guys. Oh yeah, they well they didn't know nobody knew what to do yeah. at the RCC at the shelter or anything because they couldn't take all the guys. There was like 120 men there. Wow, you know at the time and. Um, so Kearney had started um, the, a Westgate project over there, and they had one building, building that was just about done. And I believe it could house, and then they had a bunkhouse system over there with some trailers. I believe the house could hold, I want to say 60 guys. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but it was quite a few because we had four men in a very small room with a bathroom and um, our own bathroom. But um, So we went over there, and... Uh, they wanted to know if we wanted to be in the program, if we wanted to, to look for other housing and all that. And, uh, and so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll try the program. Andy Messer was the administrator then with, with uh, Glenn. And, um, and I owe Andy a lot because um, Glenn didn't like me <laughs> very much. Because he, he, I, was, I was still kind of cocky, but I was still um, trying to, figure out what God's plan was for my life. And I, you know, I still had a lot of, um, uh, personality, uh, dysfunctions, I should say, worldly type, you know? So, um, but I was learning and I just needed somebody to be patient with me and God was patient. And so I did that. I, I went into the program and, um, I've done every single job in the program. Wow. Every single one I've, driven the box truck i've sorted clothes um i've um cut grass i've um ran the register i've you know i've done everything so from the, from that point to where you, as you said glenn really didn't like you now he has you in the office right next to yeah you. he and i are really good friends now <laughs> we are and it's so funny is that how god uses people yeah. um because he used andy Andy saw something in me that i didn't see in myself and um it was uh th there was a lot of um ups and downs and it was very difficult to be honest with you to stay focused and to concentrate on what God's plan for my life was instead of me trying to make my own decisions like I did in the past right. and they were they were very bad decisions and bad choices and um, so it goes back to what Paul says about having a renewing of the mind I, right, I, right. And, it, and that, yeah. and that takes a long time right. I mean, all of that is is the work of the Holy Spirit in Amen. your life. But I think it's just amazing what you've told us here that the Glenn didn't abandon it. I mean, I mean, he knew these guys gonna have a place to be. He, they gotta have a place to be. And oh, so absolutely. He, he comes and gets you. I, I just think that's remarkable. But I know him, and I know his heart. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so this place that you went to was a part of the Kearney Center. Well, Kearney had started it. He's the one that funded it. And um, basically, what ended up happening was is that um, I hope I don't get this wrong, but um, th that we he turned it over to us. To Good Samaritan Network to manage the facility and the property I out see. there, because so, this is not the same place as what is called the Carnage. No, yeah, no. And it, Westgate Properties is off of Blentstown Highway. Okay, and okay. so basically, what we did, they gave us that house um, and another house, and we had the bunkhouse. So at one time, we had 150 men in the program. And this is all under Care Tallahassee. No, this is under Good Samaritan Network. Oh, I see. Care Tallahassee has their own facility at at um, Westgate. 
we had up, I think at one time we had upwards of 150 men. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah, I knew that when he when he left uh, the Haven Rest, he went to care for a while. Right. And then, because uh, I've had them on the radio show too. And, yeah, Bob and Mary. Yeah. Yeah. And, and wonderful people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just amazing how all of this is, has developed. But again, you, it goes back to heart and passion. Right. And that passion that, that Glenn has had. And there have been others too. Of course, oh, yeah. Brother Davis. And now it's in you. Uh-huh. It, it, uh, it God's got you there. Amen. So, so at what point did you, quote, come on staff? I, um, let's see. So I really came into the ministry and as a, as a resident, basically, in June, because it was, I think it was June 22nd of 2013. 2013. And um, they had a problem down in Woodville. We had a Woodville thrift store down there. And this was in 2014. And I had done a lot of different um, jobs in the ministry up until that point. And um, they had a staff meeting. I wasn't on staff or anything like that. And um, they had a meeting, a staff meeting, and they called me in. And Glenn said, I want to know if you would be willing to go down to the Woodville thrift store and um, straighten it up Uh and get it organized and get it up and running. Would you be willing to do that? And he said, but before you answer me, I want you to pray about it. And I want you to come back here next week and give me your answer. And I was like, okay. Well, I had been down there, and it was like punishment to go down there. <laughs> I mean, it was like it was um, it was a mess. It really was. Um, people didn't want to be there. You had a lot of different personalities. Um, no organization, no systems in place, or anything like that. And so I was praying about it, and I was like, Lord, I don't want to go. And God's all I can hear Him saying, Jack, let's go. I want you to go. I want you to go. So you had the go. background. I mean, yeah, because you've been in sales. Absolutely, and, and you knew about organizing and selling. So yeah, absolutely. God, so God had His man. <laughs> so God was just telling me to go, and I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> and so um, the next week, I go back to the staff meeting, and Glenn is pretty clever. If for those who know him, he, he, they'll agree with me. He doesn't. He doesn't. He didn't say. What did you decide? He said to me. He goes, okay. What did God say? <laughs> And I said, God said to go. And he says, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to go. And I believe that was um, September 2014. So I said, okay. And um, I started praying. And I was like, Lord, I I don't know what to do when I get down there. And all I'm going to do is trust you. So I went down there. There was some waste going on and things like that. So I started trimming some fat. and And it was so overwhelming um, if you looked at the big picture and God said, no, I want you to focus over here. And once we get this straightened out, then we're going to go here. And he, it was amazing how by me being obedient to what he wanted, how it got it got taken care of. And so it was January now of 2015. I was in my office one day and Andy came down. I have the letter in my desk to this day. Andy, Andy came down. He came into my office and says, hey, I have something for you. And I said, what's that? And he says, just open it. It was a letter. And basically what it said was is that I had in such a short period of time done such a wonderful job for the ministry and that I've saved uh, saved us a tremendous amount of money by the waste and, and cut some costs down there and everything that they could afford to, to bring me on staff and pay me. And they were going to pay me $8 and five cents an hour for a 40 hour week. And I started crying. <laughs> I was like, cause I didn't seek it out, Jack. I was 
trying to serve the Lord and you know and I was used to making pretty good substantial money and here these people are going to pay me eight dollars and five cents an hour for a 40-hour work week and I felt blessed by that because uh-huh. I wasn't that's not that's, the Lord has, has has given you a tender heart see yeah God's been through all the process and I'm looking at my clock here and so Basically, how long did you stay at the at the thrift store? Uh, we stayed down there till two. Um, I think it was um, May of 2016 when we had a lot of difficulties down there, and we ended up shutting the store down. and We moved back to Tallahassee. So that you came on staff. Yeah, I've been on staff since January 2015. 2015. Yeah, you've been through the whole transition of the right of moving the facilities and oh everything. All, yeah, all things, but, but, everything. And uh, so now this is what you do. This this is your life. Yeah, this is this is my calling. Um, I had a friend of mine at church one day. I uh, was helping him out, and uh, we were going to get. They were going to have a um, health fair at the church, and and I told him, I said, we'll give you some food, we'll give you some clothing and stuff like that to you know. Um, help um, draw people in and all that and he patted me on the back he goes man you got the dream job and I said I started laughing he goes what's so funny I said if this was a job I would have quit a long time ago do this for me you got a website for the ministry yes yes give us it real quick it's www.gsncares c-a-r-e-s dot o-r-g if you are a person and you're, you're you're kind of the same situation Mike was in you need help these are the people to see Amen. So one more time on the website. www.gsncares.org. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this testimony we've heard today. Father, I pray for Brother Mike. I pray, God, for the Good Samaritan Network and all that they do, Father God. Bless them, Father. This Christmas season, Father, meet every need. And I know that our needs, Father God, I pray that you would meet those needs. And, Father, we just give you the glory. We give you all the praise. I thank you, Father, for your love. I pray over our city. And, Father God, we pray for peace around the world and the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. We pray for America. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Amen. Mike, it's been great to have you on Thanks the show. Thanks for having me. I Thanks really enjoyed coming. it. And we'll get you come back sometime, and we'll pick up this story. We kind of feel like we kind of left you hanging. But I'd the, love to come back, yeah, Jack. Next time. Okay. Yeah. And until next Sunday morning, may the Lord bless you.